0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Buns of Steel. We have another guest to this week. Um, I'm laughing because we have a lot. We've been having a lot of guests, which I'm absolutely obsessed with and I love. Um, it's super exciting for me to know so many people and those same people want to be heard. And um, hey, I give it to them. We give it to them here in this podcast. Um, welcome to this week's, you know, rehearsal, cast members. Um, we are a little frazzled today. Um, before we get into this week's episode, let's just catch up. Let's just catch, catch up on the week that I've had. Um, I think I mentioned last week that I'm back in the studio teaching, which is – Awesome. I mean, it feels so good to be back in the studio. Um, but I now am experiencing less free time, um, which one could have probably guessed that would happen. But um, so these episodes are just happening very sporadically, so I apologize. I also wanted to say and let you all know, if you are in the Chicagoland area, and you're interested in taking a beginner silks class, I'm actually teaching one at Ariel Dance Chicago every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Um, it's a We call it a community class. So it's basically all levels welcome, um, but it says beginner, intermediate, focused. So that just means that we're going to be working on um, beginner and intermediate skills and other things in – and on on the silks, um, we've been going through lots of training, lots of different ways to make things really safe for our students and so that everyone feels like they're not going to get sick. Um, there's a lot of protocols that we have to really be man- mindful of, um, make sure that we're not coming to work sick or have, you know, one of the many symptoms. Um, there's lots of screenings that we have to do for that, so we're making strides to make sure everyone feels really safe, feels really good, uh, in the environment, because if you do feel safe and you do feel good, then it's so much better. You can learn a lot more. You probably retain more cause you're not, you're not worried about anything. Um, but yeah, I'm really proud to be proud to be part of this organization because I mean, just our attention to detail to this stuff is amazing. Um, So either DM me or just go into the Ariel Dan Chicago website. You'll see my name. Um, The open class is at 10 a.m. on Mondays. My name is Jenna. You know that already. Um, And check out the rest of the schedule. We have some pretty stacked schedule and it's going to be in studio. So I'm I'm so excited. I can't even spit out my words to be back in the studio at Ariel Dan Chicago. It just feels like a homecoming. It just feels really good, even if we have to wear masks and take extreme precautions. I'm okay with that just to be just to be back in the studio um to some extent. So feels really good. Um, yeah, okay. I wanted to say that just in case anyone is in the Chicagoland area and you're down to try something new. Um, but let's hop into a little bit of this week's episode. So we have Allie Heinz Raditz on. This week. And she, I know her. Actually, we have a very interesting history, which you'll hear. Um, But we danced at Bataille together, which is where we grew up. I also teach there. And she's, um, she was like one of the big girls that I uh, really looked up to. Like those, those like really awesome older dancers in your studio that you just look up to and you think they're amazing and they are. And they're really great people, too, because, you know, they're also kids and they you like when you're a big kid at the studio, you want to be a good role model. So that's exactly what Allie was uh, to me at that point. And then um, she has a very interesting passion set and history. Um, She, of course, danced her whole life, toured a whole lot um, with dance competitions and different Avenues, um I'll say. <laughs> and she kind of discovered her own route in the dance world um, through retail and through the dance retail space. and she personally I mean, she kills it. She kills it at running Allegro. She's she calls pretty much all the shots of what happens at Allegro. That's why service is so amazing. that's why our products are so amazing. Um, it's because of Allie. She really touches every aspect of the business. Um, she also does photography. She also does videography. Um, yeah, lots of different things. So, and she really connected with one of the episodes that I put out a couple of weeks ago. And why not continue conversations? Um, it's so cool. I think I mentioned before, but I'll say it again. Why not? that I'm talking to you, but – so it's like a conversation, but I'm just rambling, right? Like, I'm just going off, and I just picture you in the audience just being like, oh, like oh, putting your finger up like, oh, I want to join in to that little segment, and then I move on and it's gone. Um, Thank you for those of you who have kind of broken our little fourth wall that we've created. I don't know how many walls there are in podcast, but, you know, we'll keep with the theme. The fourth wall of podcast. And you reached out to me. And this is how Magic Like This happens. Allie is, is on the podcast. So I urge you to enjoy this week's conversation. It was really, really fun. Allie is amazing. Um, so here's the episode and a word from our sponsor. Great, Allie. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. And um, I know that you have a lot of different perspectives in the dance community. Like you are the uh, operations manager of Allegro Dance Boutique. You had a, you had like a training program slash studio slash like trying to get something like that off the ground. You, are, you have a lot of side hustles. You obviously trained in dance for your whole life. Um, go ahead and tell us you know kind of where you where you grew up and where you're from and um kind of like a little bit of background about yourself
1: all of those <laughs> things and more so i uh I was training in schomburg as a young dancer and then did my first like dance competition um and Oh, no, I think your microphone went out.
0: Hello? Oh, no, I can hear you.
1: I turned off my, it, it dropped out, so I turned off my Wi-Fi. Okay. Um, I will, I'll start again. Okay, great. <laughs> great. Um, so I started my training as a young dancer in Schaumburg, Illinois, and did my first, like, dance competition convention thing, And met a woman that I wanted to train with. And so then we moved to Barrington. um, Mm -hmm. And I started training at Bataille, where I was your demonstrator when you were (laughs) a a tiny dancer. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I trained there and did like a whole bunch of other um, like enrichment training things. I did, you know, CNADM. And um, I did the American Dance Festival, and did a bunch of like things in Chicago, because we have great training in Chicago. Um, and I danced with a youth, a semi-professional youth ensemble, um, which at the time, like wasn't really a thing. Um, like it is now, there weren't a lot of these like concert dance opportunities for um, like amateur pre-pro dancers. So it was fun to be able to do that at that point in time, because it was a very different thing. Um, and did a lot of like demonstrating around the country for workshops and then went, well, I graduated high school early. I went to Barrington high school and I did like all the dance things that you could do there, (laughs) um, which was super great because not every public high school has a dance and an arts department like we did at Barrington, as you know. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was really cool. And then. Graduated early so I could like dance and kind of figure out where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do after high school. And I stayed local and I went to Columbia College in Chicago. That's always the joke. I (laughs) went to the college, not the university. Um, And I was really, really fortunate at Columbia. Um, I wasn't quite ready for the dance experience that I had there because it was really different from the way I was used to training. Um, I, as like an 18 year old dancer, I would have totally told you I had an open mind to dance that I, you know, I didn't exactly live in like that competition world. Um, I lived in a more concert world. So I thought that I was like really, really well prepared to go to college, um, for dance. And I went to, um, Columbia where their program was very modern based, um, And I was exposed to a lot of dance that I had never seen Um, a lot of super, super like artistic um, and like intellectual dance, which was really different for me. And I sort of freaked out and left after my first year because I was like, I I just wanted to dance in a company at that point. Like I didn't want to have to think too much. (laughs) um and kind of spent the year after that like going to community college and you know just still dancing being involved in the chicago dance community and realized that the program at columbia was exactly what i needed went back um trained uh there and i got my degree in dance making we don't call it choreography there we called it dance making um dance making and dance teaching um and ended up being super, super happy there and got really smart about dance, was able, was trained how to think about dance and how to talk about dance. Um, Their program is a little bit different from some of the other like conservatory type programs where it's really, really heavy in training. This was really heavy in almost like the book learning side of dance, which then helped me feel really ready to go out into the professional world um, because I realized I didn't necessarily want to dance in a company Um, So much respect for everybody who does that. I just realized it wasn't my, my path and my passion. I like having my hands in a little bit of everything. And the hyper focus that I think you need to be successful in that realm just wasn't sort of where I was where I was happy living. Um, And so then did a lot of things, as you described, once I was done (laughs) with school, um, teaching and then uh, stepping in and helping to build a program with the woman that I like moved to Barrington to train with and you know was really happy doing that for a while and then found myself um, really liking my day job which was working at Allegro dance boutique as just a sales associate at that point um, but I realized sort of all of my passions converged and intersected um, in the dance retail market which I did not anticipate at all um, and I felt very involved in the dance community in a way i've never I never had, and then realized that like that's where I wanted to be and so then I jumped on board there full time um and now I guess I like run the show <laughs> very much so, yeah, um for
0: those of you who don't know and i'm I'm sure actually a lot of the listeners actually know who you are because Allegro is such a powerhouse of like dance supply in the chicagoland area and beyond of course but also just like really in the chicagoland area so if you've ever gotten fit by an Allegra dance boutique um professional point fitter you've been either you know fit by ally or fit you know by one of us through us by ally because she trained all of us <laughs> um so that's pretty cool and um, also, for those of you who don't know, I also work at Allegro Dance Boutique. Um, Allie and I have a lot of, like, funny connections because <laughs> because she, I think we we're, like, seven or eight years apart. And so she was, like, that, like, big girl dancer that, like, was so good and, like, we would all look up to. You know, you know, like, when you're young at the studio, you're like, oh, you look up to, like, the high schoolers and the big girls and, like, the whatever. And that was totally, like, Allie's group um, to me. And then I was – and like like she said, she was my demonstrator for, um, I think, it, um, a lyrical class or whatever. And, again, completely enamored. I was like, oh, okay, so that's how I have to be um, to be a dancer. And then um, kind of was she graduated – Uh, high school and then like you know like we all grew up and then I came back to Allegro and I was like wow I'm back with Allie she's still (laughs) the person that I look up to so nothing has changed oh Um, thanks man oh of course yes and um, actually the way that this conversation came up was you really you you listened to and connected with um, one of the episodes the Starving Artist episode I believe it was and So you, many of
1: them. I don't know. Pick something out of each of them. And I, <laughs> I got real passionate about it.
0: Thank you so much. Um, that and the Starving Artist episode and the one before that, The um, a teacher told me to never pursue a professional dance. That oh, one too. That um, one. It was I, that one. Lots of people have reached out and been like, you know what? I actually have this exact same experience and or the same people. So here's my here's my little window of expertise and how I dealt with that. I'm like, wow, like four or five people. I'm like, wow, we're all living the same life. Um, so I really like to hear about those stories and yeah. you didn't really, you went into a little bit of detail when you were talking to me, but we were like, save it for the podcast. So I want to ask you, you know, your, your interpretation of, you know, the place of a teacher in your life as sort of, like, a second – not, like, a second mom, but, like, a second – maybe, like, that, like, cool auntie or, like, the babysitter that you really, really enjoy and you learn things from. Yeah. But, but maybe not take every single thing they say to you to heart because they're just your cool auntie or you're, they're just, like, your babysitter. Like, they're they're your dance
1: teacher, right? Sure. Um, I mean, there's so much to unpack. So – there's so much to unpack in that that statement. First and foremost, um, and actually my like little intro of my training, I started talking and I was like, I should just cut this down. And then I'm glad I didn't because actually this question, having kind of a background of my trajectory in dance is really helpful. Um, When I was, you know, in high school, I graduated early so that I could figure out what I wanted to do in the dance realm. Mm -hmm. And I was taking class, actually company class with Giordano and I, I just wasn't, I wasn't dancing well in class. I, I, it just, it wasn't the experience I thought it was going to be. Um, and I was like, just spending so much time commuting and taking class. And I wasn't, I, I wasn't having the full experiences I was hoping to have. So I asked my, one of my teachers at the time, and I said, how do I know if I want to be a dancer? Now, I can tell you, 15 years later, I realized the question I was asking was, how do I know if I want to dance in a company? Mm -hmm. Um, But I wasn't able to articulate that at, you know, 17 years old. Also, I think it's really important to note that I mean, I think this idea of being able to write about dance and and talk about dance and a sort of all, all of these other things that can still make you a professional in dance is relatively new um, because people like really going to college for dance is still relatively new compared to going to school to be like an architect or a lawyer. Um, and so, you know, I think with all due respect to our teachers and the people that we grew up, you know, influencing us being in a company was being a professional dancer. That was the choice. And there, I don't think that there were a lot of other varied experiences. Like it was, if you were a professional in dance, you were a performer period. Um, and so, you know, I get that having so many interests, And, you know, like not necessarily just wanting to dance with a company wasn't something that I think a lot of the people that I was training with understood. They were professional dancers in companies. Um, So, of course, like that's where their experience came from. Um, So when when I asked that question, how do I know if I want to be a dancer? Um, The response I got was, well, if you have to ask, you already know. And I thought, well, crap, I guess I have to find a new life path Um, because that was it. Like this was the person that I looked up to and, you know, I guided me in my path professionally and with my training. And so I thought like, okay, well, that's it. I guess, I guess I don't want to be a professional dancer. And so I had that experience in my head. And then I went to Columbia and got like super freaked out because the very first performance I saw there was a group called Japan dance now. And it was three dance companies from Japan and it was like layered with multimedia. And, you know, it wasn't like, it it wasn't, you know, step, kick, kick that like that whole thing. It wasn't steps I could name. And so I was just like, I don't want to dance in a company. And like, this is freaking me out. So I guess I'm just going to stop dancing. Um, And so that year after college, like I, or after my f- freshman year of college, I actually like did stop dancing. Cause I thought like, well, this person didn't think I was going to be a dancer and like college is sort of freaky. So I guess I'll be a pediatric ophthalmologist. <laughs> and so <laughs> I like apply, I started applying to all of these schools, like pre-med. I was still like taking some dance classes because I still liked moving and it still made me feel good, but like literally thought, okay, this is the final word in Allie being a dancer, move on. Um, And then just realizing going back to school and realizing all of the varied experiences that you could have in dance and that being a professional dancer in a company wasn't the only option was just mind blowing for me Mm -hmm. and finding ways to, you know, have all of my passions come together because they were all connected by this thing called dance was just such a revelation when I finally figured it out. And I have been super careful ever since, well, you know, when I was teaching um, when I talked to any young person, um, being really careful with my words, because I don't know what impact I have on somebody. And, right, you know, my experiences are that they're my experiences and they're, it's not my job to tell somebody what they should or shouldn't do with their life. Um, and I'm pretty sure you said that in that episode, like, it's great to say, you know, if you're thinking you want to, you know, be a dance critic then I highly recommend that you, you know, go and like take some journalism classes or take some review classes or, you know, like give people suggestions and guide them. But like, it's not my job to to say to them, well, you can't write in full sentences. So why would you want to be a dance critic? Like that's, it's not my job. Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, I mean, a lot of like, it took a lot of undoing to get that that out of my brain and it's still I was literally haunted by that it sounds so extreme it's the truth I was straight up haunted by the fact that somebody told me if you ask that question you already know I will Any anybody listening question everything that you're doing yes yeah um all of yes
0: (laughs) all of that is such a yes to me like First, first of all, um, the multiple avenues in dance is very new, but also becoming so widespread that I think Mm -hmm. more people are finding out, like I can, this isn't just a useless thing I do after, after school. Like I enjoy it, but what if I could talk about it? What if I could write about it? What if I could, Mm -hmm. what if I could be a therapist or a physical therapist or, um, a dietitian for dancers um, there's, you can, you can merge, like you said, like you're doing right now, living the dream, merging two or more of your passions in one lifetime, um, at, right. all, at, all at once. Um, and yeah, I, I have a couple of friends who are younger. Um, they're not students of mine anymore, but they're, they're younger, kind of like going into college, but whatever. And they still have those um teachers that say, oh no, 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 there's no dance programs in college, period, or we'll say no dance no reputable dance programs in college. If you're gonna be a dancer, you're gonna go straight into a company at 18. And that's not the reality of a lot of no. people. Um in college is a great opportunity to learn about, you know, I also like to write you know, I can't write in full sentences, but I like to do it. So I'm going to, I'm going to take a class or I'm going to talk to a teacher who I feel comfortable with to guide me. And what, what should I, what should I be looking for? What should I be doing? Um, and take that advice or not. Um, yeah, there were a lot of things
1: that you said in there. Well, Um, and I, I just think too, like, you know, going back to your question about having a mentor, having somebody you look up to and, kind of taking what they say with a grain of salt and the thing that really stands out for me is I think that dance and clearly you should probably just do a whole episode of like mental health and dancers and dancer personality types but yep I we have to look at the 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 types of people that are attracted to dance and the discipline of dance it's the people that usually stick with it are usually people that, you know, like for me, I'm realizing now mm-hmm. that I had like fairly low self-confidence despite the fact that I knew that I was good at dancing. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I really struggled with, and I still do. I'm like working on it I every single moment of every single day. <laughs> My, my self-confidence and I always just felt like, and this was another reason I think that I veered away from the professional company realm is that I just, I, my self-confidence was so low that I could deal with rejection. Like I didn't get that upset over it, but I was very discouraged because I knew that I was talented and that I worked hard. And so I felt like I literally know I'm doing the best I can do. So if these people didn't think I was good enough and these people didn't think I was good enough, and then I had that teacher that said that thing, <laughs> like, okay, probably probably not, not good at this. Um, and so I just think too, you know, as dancers, we're used to getting correction. We're used to being told what to do. And and sort of have that as our normal like process, Um, and so I think that if you're not careful with what you say to not just anybody, right? Training anybody, anyone. You you just never know how your words are going to affect them. Um, And yeah, I went off on a tangent, but right. And like (laughs) when you're when you're a teacher,
0: um, actually, this is funny too because. Um, In that episode, I referenced my high school theater teacher. John Lynn! You know Mr.
1: Lynn? I took class with Mr. Lynn. Oh my goodness. So, okay, that's perfect. I was the only senior in Theater One because I was graduating early and I just like, I only needed to go to school for one class. But I needed a full schedule. So I just took all these random classes. So I was the one senior in Mr. Lin's theater. Class. That's anyway
0: incredible. That's incredible. <laughs> then you know,
1: because he probably you know reiterates
0: a lot like that that quote. And so I so whatever. I, I he's not. Um, he he always said this. He was like, I'm just terrible with technology. Like Facebook was really huge with us at the time, and he was like, Yeah, I don't know. Don't have a Facebook. Never had a Facebook. Don't know what that <laughs> is. Whatever. And then he finally made a Facebook a couple of years ago, and then. Um, I think something must have happened. It must've forgot his password or something. And he (laughs) made a new one added me. And I was like, okay, I know for a fact that John Lynn has added me before. Um, So something must've happened. And I look and like, there's a bunch of like mutual friends, like people I went to high school with. And I'm like, all right, well, this isn't like a bot or whatever. I'm going to, whatever. Yes, accept. And so I was like, this is perfect. So I sent him a message. I was like, Hey, Mr. Lynn, hope all is well. You know, I'm not really sure. Um, <clears throat> your, your comfortability with, you know, podcast, or your if you're familiar with the platform at all, but I created a podcast and I just wanted to tell you that I referenced you on it. You gave some really good advice. Um, and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to reference you know, you more, but here's the link. Just click the link, follow it, you know, do whatever, if you would like to listen. And he sent me back the sweetest, like paragraphs of like, Jenna this is incredible what you're doing. <laughs> I can't believe that I made such an impact like on you. You it's really hard to tell as a teacher what that kind of impact is going to be and I can't believe that I that I was a big part it was like a part of your mm-hmm. experience. And I was like I was like you you made everyone believe in their dreams, and I wasn't really even in the theater program. I just took theater because I probably wanted to act, probably wanted to like, you know, play a few characters, figure out tra- then Same. translate it to dance and whatever. Um, and of course, like he he made us believe that okay, if you need to do theater, whatever, fill in the blank. If you need to dance, if you need to play sports, whatever, professionally you will do it. If it's Mm -hmm. in your bones, if you don't have to do theater or dance or whatever, then don't do it. It's too hard for someone who doesn't want to do it. Right. If you need to do it, then you do it. And I think about that frequently, all the time. And I'm I'm so happy that you had him. I'm definitely going to have to reach out again and be like, I had Abby (laughs) Heinz Raddance on on the podcast and he's going to be like, oh my god. He's going to be like, oh god, this is the one
1: senior that slacked off Maybe I should,
0: I should have him on the podcast. That would be a great conversation. That would be great. But, but yeah, that was, I mean, that was another person that was like, this is, this is helping people. And I'm like, wow, I think you're right. So I have to be really careful again, with what I say, because I don't know the impact that I have on people. So I have to make sure that what I say is factual, helpful, uplifting, um, in any kind of capacity and whatever. So, um, it's constantly a check.
1: <laughs> well, and just being aware of like, I had this conversation with somebody else the other day where, you know, something she was saying was was really making me feel bad. And it was one of those things like, this is your life choice. I'm not, the fact that you're choosing to do this with your life isn't a problem but it's the fact that you're choosing to, like, talk about it around me and you don't know how it affects me. And, like, I'm here telling you that it makes me uncomfortable and it, like, makes me feel bad. And she just, like, didn't care. And I was hmm. like, it's, I'm not telling you you need to rethink your life choices. I'm just asking you to think about who is in the room when you're talking. like understand that everybody comes from different experiences and you know different backgrounds and it just like your words have power and i really just try as a leader and as a teacher because i still teach people and i still choreograph like i just think about the people in the room and you know just everything happening in the world right now is a perfect example of this too. Mm -hmm. Because there are just so many things that are part of our vernacular and like habitual for us that may seem innocuous, but aren't. And like you can get defensive about that or you can take it as an opportunity to like be a better ally for another human, period. Like, I don't, I don't care what you want that to look like, but, and I just, like, it's something I get really passionate about because I think that for a lot of my, a lot of my impressionable years, I like put too much stock in what others had to say about me. And it was because I wasn't strong enough to like think and form my own perspectives on myself. And so I got lost in what everyone else had to think about me. And then, you know, you, you add the layer of dance on top of that and it just, it gets real complicated.
0: Yeah, it does. Um, I, I it took me a bit too in college because I remember specifically, I really wanted to do solos. Like I wanted to compete solos at the tie and mm-hmm. it wasn't really a thing that people were doing back then. So I was kind of like me and like kind of my class kind of started the whole solo duet trio thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I feel like, um, and I was like, okay, no, I don't really trust anyone to choreograph on me because I feel like I want to choreograph. I've choreographed before. I can do my own solo. And I'm a different dancer. I've always been a different dancer than those in my class and sure. we, we worked well together and we did competitions and we danced well together, but I always felt like I had to put in turns. I had to put in this certain leap. I had to put in, you know, these two sort of movements when in reality, my body wanted to do something else, but I didn't right. know that I could break away and kind of be like, I can do my own thing. I thought that competition dance, and choreography was, you had to check off all these boxes because that's what like all of my peers were doing, you know, all Cones on the right and the, and the left, like switch leaps. And I had, I mean, I had those things, but did I use them intelligently in my choreography? Did I showcase myself? Like probably not. Right. Um, and I wish I could go back. I'm actually thinking about, cause I'm, I'm 24 and I think, uh, there's an age gap there's an age cutoff in competitions you like you can't compete if you're over 25 and I want to go back and compete like in like whatever the professional or like senior ultra seniors whatever I am ultra seniors (laughs) (laughs) whatever I am and like (laughs) choreograph my solo and or like maybe two I don't know rotate them and first of all get a chance to perform a little bit more because that's always a good thing and then just feel like I kind of mended that little part of me, right? Right. So I'm. I don't know. I'm. I'm really thinking about that.
1: I think I'm. I think I'm gonna do it. I think you should do it. <laughs> I think, like, oh, man, so many yeses. I. That's how I feel when I teach. Um, my first few years out of school, I really felt lost when I was teaching um, not because I wasn't a good teacher or I wasn't capable of it, but I would, I don't know. I would leave a night of teaching just feeling like I came up short and I had so much anxiety, like my whole way to, I taught in Wisconsin at the time. Oh, and it was like an hour drive and yeah. literally like the whole drive there, I would cry. Yeah, and then, cause I had so much anxiety about oh like not God. being a good teacher and then I would just leave and I was like, okay, we'll just check another day off the list. And I didn't understand what my problem was because I knew, like I had been teaching a lot at that point mm-hmm. and I knew I was a good teacher, but I was, I just couldn't find my footing. And it was for a lot of the same reasons you described with choreography. I felt like I had to do X, Y, and Z because I was teaching this or that genre of dance. And that was not my forte. I can go in and I can teach a kick ass contemporary ballet class or jazz class like master class mm-hmm. but what I want to teach a dancer from week to week it it's not those steps it's how to take those steps and figure out how they work in your body and you know sort of bridge that gap between the genres i I've always said my like mantra as a professional teacher was always being an advanced dancer or being, you know, being an advanced dancer is, and I'm not saying like level wise, I'm just saying in terms of achieving like a certain amount of training. Mm -hmm. I feel like when you're young, you have to learn those steps. Like that's what it's about. But at some point it really changes. And I just think that it's 90% knowing your body and 10% knowing cool stuff and <laughs> i feel like if you know how your body works you can do anything anybody teaches you to the best of your own ability because you know how to find that within yourself and i think that's true for anything in life like if you know yourself and you know your process i think that you can be like really successful with what you're doing because you know how to make yourself like step up and rise to that challenge. Right. And you know, it it was really, I struggled being in a traditional studio setting because I didn't just want to teach, you know, a night, like a ballet class and then a jazz class and a lyrical class because I felt like I'm just teaching dance. Like when all is said and done, it's, it's all the same thing to me. Um, And you know, I I struggled a little bit. And then once I identified that I was able to sort of divide it out. And, you know, teach a jazz class and teach, but I I found my philosophy that way. And I found like the message I wanted to send as a teacher. And, you know, it became super easy at that point to really start looking at dancers as individuals. And, you know, not just like, uh, this is my class of 10 people yeah um this is my class of like 10 individual dancers that think and breathe and feel and experience differently um and you know when I choreograph it's a super collaborative process because I feel like I don't I don't want 10 alleys on stage (laughs) like that's boring and I want I want to take my philosophy and apply it to how your body is working and how your movement works. And like to me that's interesting because we're both growing as artists and individuals and I am in love with the creative process and like that's what that is. It's a living and breathing creative process.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um and and it's tough for studios to bring out that individuality because I see a huge difference between So I, I have, you know, all the, all the ages, like there's, there's that middle school or like elementary school. And I would say over half of the girls and boys in that class are just themselves with no filter with, (laughs) they just bounce around and that's how they are. And I need to find the way to, to keep, keep that. They're so confident. They don't know right. what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> like,
1: there's this one girl. I that, love that.
0: Yeah, they don't. Like, there's this one girl. Like, we were, we were working on pirouettes and we're working on a, a modest single pirouette. I can do three. And I'm like, oh, can you? Okay, let me see. It's just to humor it. If she, if she can do three, that'd be pretty cool. And she does one and falls out. Well, I can't do it today. I'm like, okay. <laughs> well all right well let me know if you can do it and I'll you know and how do we keep those because maybe not every individual at that age will say those exact words but they think it and they think right like, well I could do that oh I already know this this is baby stuff like they they say that and then once you get older I think you start to know more and like well I really can't do that you start being honest with yourself I and mean, I can't really do that all the time or every day or I've never been able to do that why do I say that and then that confidence kind of drops, and then the individuality has to start from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I, al- I almost want to see those young dancers what their, in what their innate, whatever it is, what their innate talent is: jumping, turning, choreography, performance. Because um, performance is a skill. <laughs> like right, I, wa- I want to cultivate those things, keep them high while building up the rest of of the well-roundedness of the dancer
1: and then for sure maybe
0: that'll keep their confidence high and then maybe then they know they're an individual because I've been telling them they've been different and beautiful this whole time
1: well and and I I agree and I think that you know again I think it's helping to yeah to embrace like the individual and to nurture them and yes just yes <laughs> i i i just think about like if i had and don't get me wrong by no means am i like i still love almost every single one of the dance teachers i had growing up yes every single one of them taught me something that i still think about today and you know i get the position that studio teachers are in like oh, how much can you do in an hour? Like you can't teach all the life lessons in an hour. I get it. Yeah. And, but like at the same time, I just, I think if somebody would have seen me, like really seen me for more than my hyper flexibility or more than my ability to, you know, learn choreography super quickly or jump super high or whatever the heck the flavor of the day was, you know, I felt like I only had value because of those things. I didn't feel like I had value for what I was actually bringing to the table Mm -hmm. and for like what made me me. And I just, I think one of my early experiences teaching, I had a girl who um, she, she was young. They were like seven years old or something. And she was very disruptive in class. And I realized and I talked to the studio owner about it cuz again I was a young teacher I didn't really know what I was doing. Yeah. And she was like, "Oh yeah, she's like that, blah blah blah." And I was like, "Okay." And but I thought like she she's bringing something to the table. She has this energy. She's she's loud. She's not afraid <laughs> to like say what's on her mind and the other kids listen to her. And I thought like, "Okay, I could spend every class telling her to stop." And, you know, making her stand away from the group and doing blah, blah, like all of these negative ways to reinforce that behavior, or I could figure out how to use that to my advantage in the classroom. And I literally made it a leader for everything. And this kid like was always the first one in class, like ready to go at the bar because she took it seriously. She was the leader. Yeah. And it just completely changed the dynamic of, you know, our class in the studio and, as a more mature teacher and choreographer, my favorite thing to do, cause I worked with the same group of young dancers and I would always take the kids that no one, that didn't quite fit in because my favorite thing in the whole world was to figure out what they were good at and amplify that and bring that to life on stage. And I would make these very different movers cohesive Mm -hmm. and you know that's what I try to do at Allegro like I try to take all these people with these different life experiences and make them you know we're all working toward the same goal we're all living under the same philosophy and then everyone has like autonomy and everyone has you know something important that they're bringing to the team and you know obviously with COVID-19 like our staff was furloughed And it was just so clear to me every day, like the important part that each person like brings to our team of people, because I felt the loss of each individual person, not just the loss of like our team or, you know, having people to delegate tasks to like, Mm -hmm. I legitimately missed who each of those people were as human beings and the individual and important experiences that they bring you know, to, to our team and they bring our philosophy to life and they embody that. And you can see it in dance studios too. Like I, one of my, you know, many hats is being the wife of a production company uh, owner. And I do a lot of (laughs) just a company, just, just a company. Um, I do uh, a lot of dance videography. And so I watch recitals like every single year, you know, I'll watch the same The same studios and it is so clear when there is a philosophy on stage at a studio because every class like you can tell like, oh, that was Miss Jenna's class. But it was Miss Jenna's class at this studio and, you know, it had her flavor on it, but the like motivating factor and the vision and the philosophy of that studio was ever present in what they were doing on stage. And, you know, when you have that, in my opinion, you don't really have a bad teacher. You don't really have, like, that lame class that you get up and go to the bathroom during. Like, Mm because everybody is there embodying the same ideals. And, you know, kind of circling back to our conversation of, like, when somebody told me that, you know, questioning whether or not I had the heart of a dancer, like, gave me my answer that was just, you know, that person didn't look at who I was right. and why I might be asking that question. Or your and, efforts or your right. personality
0: or maybe like you can tell when, when a kid has maybe like lack of confidence, but is really good and but they're not, they don't know that and then they have to figure that out. That's, that's your opportunity to jump in and say, you can do anything you want to do. If you want to be a professional dancer, go for it. Do it. You can do it. Great, That's what you said. I I might
1: think in my head, like, that's never going to happen. But, like, prove everyone wrong. Like, no one loves anything more than an underdog story, man. Right. Reality TV was not built on people that succeeded from day one.
0: Yeah. Did you know I I didn't make
1: uh, Junior Company when I auditioned? (laughs) Oh, my God. Do you know that I didn't make So You Think You Can Dance because I didn't do enough tricks? (laughs) No. Oh, I didn't do enough tricks, but I also didn't have a sob story they were like well what's your story and I was like I mean I don't have one like I came from Barrington Illinois and now I'm here and I just want to be a good dancer yeah (laughs) I should just come up with a sob story when I audition seriously that's what you need to do hope that somebody wants to interview you and then just make up some something super traumatic oh absolutely
0: that's what I'm gonna do that's gonna be the game plan I'm not (gasps) quitting all my jobs um so you think you can or world world of dance cuz so you think you can dance is kind of um it's true unimportant
1: it's true which is sad. but that was a very fun tangent um <laughs> but yeah i just like i am it's i'm very passionate about embracing individuality and like nurturing and building people up and I've made mistakes. Like part of the reason why I'm so passionate is because I see the mistakes that I've made in the past and I see what it's done to people and my relationships with people and realize like, that's not, that's not what I believe. That's not who I am. Like I, I, I want to be better than that and I want to be a stronger leader and I want to help people inspire to be better than me and I want people to know that I believe in them and you know I just my my favorite class that I have ever taught was an improv class and I mean I still do this with 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 groups and usually you know people come into improv and they're like oh it's improv we're just gonna like do whatever we want for 45 minutes and I'm like well kind of but in a more structured way and you know we start on the floor and they they like evaluate where their bodies are at, Um, you know, usually improv comes either at the beginning of the day or like at the end of the day, um, in my experiences of teaching. And so, you know, we kind of assess like where we're at in our bodies and, you know, I have them pick their weakness and really like explore in their weakness and realize like your weakness is a chance for growth like your strengths will be there. They're fine. They're, they're going to go, they're going to like run themselves, but find that thing that needs the most help and like accept that and move through it and find ways to, you know, to fully embody it and bring it to life. And you just, you never know like where those things will lead you. I never would have thought that, my day job of being a sales associate at the local dance store would have turned into like this passion for advocacy and dance and just like all of the things that it's turned into. It's not leotards and tights. It's a little bit point shoes because those are super fun, but like (laughs) it's, it's about this philosophy and, you know, finding other organizations to work with, that believe what we believe and really bettering the dance community and leading the dance community through a time of change. You know, I think we're in right. a really powerful position with a young staff, you know, an increasingly diversified staff, both in, you know, gender and ethnicity and um, well, not so much gender. We need some more dudes. Yeah. We, we, need, some we, need, we need some more. It's different energy. It doesn't matter what, what you are. Um, <laughs> be whatever it's pride month we, we embrace all of the people <laughs> we do. um but yeah like you know we just were we're in a point where we really can facilitate like the wave of change that's coming and this idea again of dance is this one thing dances dancing in a professional company or dances being a teacher it's just not the reality those right. things are great so valid still so necessary but those things to your point are changing so many dancers in a company are college educated so many dance teachers are college educated that's not how it was 10 years ago proud to say that
0: proud to say oh, off my soapbox <laughs> <laughs> the soapbox um yeah oh my goodness and I think Allegro does a really great job of constantly searching for okay there's a plane outside It's okay good I'm, I'm gonna hope we can't hear it um, Allegra does a really good job of constantly searching for um, ways to include ways to bring people what they need at a certain time like we started selling ballet bars like the the portable ones like you can just have in your house because that's what we need right now instead of just waiting it out and saying, "Well, this isn't forever." It was a it's a good three four months, and we might go back into not being able to take class. And I'm not, and I'm not even right. fully I haven't taken class for myself in a studio in months, so right. I don't know. We don't know when those, when anything's gonna be normal, quote unquote normal again. I like I always like to think about things in a more positive way, and like, oh, like I just wanted to go back to normal. I wanted to revert. I wanted to go back. Instead of saying that, what have we learned? How can we take that further? We don't mm-hmm. take, We don't take the time in the studio for granted anymore. Um, right. some, some of us, I'm sure, it's been really, really difficult to, to get to be just cut off from dance. but it's also going to be really difficult to get myself back into dance because mm-hmm. I've been used to being sort of for the most part without it. so I have to understand that and come back slowly and not try to kill it and pound it into my body unwillingly. Like my body's just not going to be in the same place. So I have to, we have to go slowly and it's going to be a change, but I think we're all going to be better for it. Um, I think I'm going to do like next couple of episodes is going to be like, or next, next episode or something is going to be like 10 things I learned in quarantine.
1: Mm, I love it.
0: (laughs) And yeah, I talked about it, uh, on the podcast that went out, um, this week but yeah I think that's what I'm going to do I'm compiling a list so um and that's one of the things like dance isn't dance doesn't even just exist in the studio I'm a Mm -hmm. huge I was a huge person that was like I'm not going to take class at home I'm not going to do bar at home no one's looking at me you don't have to look nice I don't have to put on ballet shoes what's the point the real I mean the reality is it's it stays it's when i took class at when i finally was like i need to take class okay fine i'm going to do it at home it felt just the same so
1: good yeah and so dance can exist truly anywhere you want it to um, well and i sincerely hope that everyone starts to realize that because i think you know i've said this i've talked to a lot of studio owners we've been reaching out um through allegro to a lot of studio owners to see how they're doing And, you know, I said, like, how are you handling Zoom? You know, how's it going? And we kind of laughed about how we, like, this industry got a swift kick into, like, the 21st century. Because for dance, I think, being, like, technologically savvy was having an iPod dock at the studio. (laughs) And so now all of a sudden, like, so We true. have TVs at the studio and we have cameras and we're on Zoom and we're doing this and we're doing that. I'm like, holy cow, welcome to like the 21st century. And right. I literally before podcasts were a thing, when blogs were like just kind of being a thing, I was like kind of thinking about writing one. And I literally wrote a podcast on technology and dance or not a podcast, a blog post about technology and dance. And at the time, there were, like, a couple apps that were coming out. This had to be, like, 2010, maybe, Mm. or 2009, 2008. I don't know. We were still in single-digit 2000s. Mm -hmm. And I showed it to potentially the same person that told me I didn't have the heart of a dancer. And (laughs) I got, like, the the whole, no one's going to read this. Like, no one's going to do this. No one has time for this. And I'm like, but we're missing a huge opportunity to like teach through webcams. And, you know, we would work with these choreographers and they would come in and set their piece and then leave. And then we'd never hear from them again. again. And I was like, but we could get feedback virtually. Like this was so obvious to me. And so I'm so excited to see how this industry continues to utilize these tools that we were forced into learning because I, that's the one thing, like people, I think you'll agree, will get really opinionated about this whole Zoom thing and these virtual private lessons, but the amount of dancers that have been exposed to professional dancers in companies to master teachers all over the world they would never have had those opportunities no. if it weren't for a global pandemic that kept everybody at home.
0: Right. And I learned that, like, the first class it took on, on, like, it was Instagram Live. Zoom had come, like, maybe, like, the next week. But yeah. all of, like, my teachers that I take from, like, at Visceral and all that, they were like, well, we're still going to dance. Like, you know, turn on your Instagram Live. And I'm like, wait a minute. That means that there are other teachers that I
1: would have never been able to take from in mm-hmm. New York, in LA, that I can finally take from. And, well, ha- and how many, you know, teachers that you even had taken from in the past, and like you really missed their class, and you missed who you were in their class. And like, I took class with one of my teachers from college, Natalie Rastu, who also teaches at the Chicago Academy for the Arts, And her ballet class was straight my favorite freaking thing. Like, she just super honest, super straightforward, like no BS. You know, you're there, you're in your class, you're doing your thing. Like, it's ballet. It's not easy. You'll be fine. And like, I loved the dancer. I was in that class. And that was the first one I took through like Facebook Live. And same exact thing. I was like, this feels the same.
0: Yeah. So I was like, okay, so the studio could be anywhere. The right. studio could be, you can train anywhere. Now it's getting a little bit old. I miss my friends. I miss rehearsal. Sure. Like I'm over it now. But for the time being, when I was really in the thick of like, we're not going to go back anytime soon. I was like, I'm kind of fine. I'm st- I still, mm-hmm. identi- I'm still feeling like I identify as a dancer because I'm dancing every day. It feels like. And so there were some people that were like, I feel like I'm losing my identity as a dancer because I'm not dancing and I'm like really I feel like I'm dancing almost not as much whatever but I'm dancing every day and Mm -hmm. I take you know my weekends off which I've never had never had weekends off even in college even in high school always had rehearsals but now I'm like I have weekends still feeling like a dancer who am I who is she let's keep her around um I don't yeah and it's great now things are going back I can't wait I'm like wow like I feel, I feel still good. I've been teaching um, in the studio and I've had to demonstrate and I'm like, okay, I don't feel like, I don't feel like the tin man. I feel Mm -hmm. like, I feel good still. And that's thanks to being open-minded, not at first, but after yes, being open-minded and then learning that the studio could really exist anywhere. You can train anywhere, not be to not be so picky and to like really open your mind because some really cool, beautiful things can be learned from
1: right from being stuck at home or any other thing well and let's let's circle it all back around like how do you know if you want to be a dancer like because dance is anywhere for you like it's wherever you're moving in that period of time i I've freaking improved. I think for my neighbors they literally like sit in their houses and watch me but like I've been on my back porch and I'm like I feel weird like I just feel unsettled I have like all of this energy and just like improv on my back porch and you know like dance is like you you know you want to be a dancer you know you want to live dance when you want to move no matter where you are and You know, I, I think about this too, like you wouldn't tell somebody that they're, you know, who golfs regularly knows all about golf and, you know, actively plays golf. You wouldn't tell them they're not a golfer because they're not like on the PGA tour. I think that's what you do when you golf. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You wouldn't like tell them, oh, well, you're not a golfer because you're not on the PGA tour. What? No one would say that. Right. Like no one would tell a runner that they're not a runner because they haven't run in the Chicago Marathon. I don't know. Do you get up and run every day? Bam, you're a runner. (laughs) Like, do you love running? Are you trying to better yourself as a runner? Do you maybe have some of those running shorts? You're probably (laughs) a runner. Like, don't tell me I'm not a dancer because I'm not in a company. Like, you may love dance more than some of those people. And just you didn't choose that path in life. Great. That's fine. Like, the more people who love dance, the better. I don't know why it's such a problem if people want to be dancers. <laughs> Let's let them. Yeah.
0: I don't know. It's it's so protected. It's so, like, it's like the, the label of a dancer is so, like, we put in so much blood, sweat, and tears, and no one else, and you don't know, and whatever. Right. And, like, yes, but also... No, we need to let that go a little bit. And I'm guilty. I'm so guilty. I'm very proud to call myself a dancer and all. I love to complain about, you know, being up late because I was teaching until 10 p.m. And I love to complain that I have to get up early to go for a run and then go to rehearsal because I can't function if I don't warm up before rehearsal. And I love it. I love complaining about it. But I'm also the first one to be like, if you take class, my little third graders that take one class a week, they're little dancers. They're dancers.
1: So, right.
0: yeah. I think that's a perfect place to stop. We really did come full circle. We did. Good we job. Did. Good job. Virtual
1: high five. Ghost, ghost hug. <laughs> ghost
0: hug. All right. Well, thank you so much again. That was Allie Heinz Raddatz. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. And thank you so much, Allie, again. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. And that's all that we have time for. My cast members, um, thank you so much for listening um, this week and hopefully you enjoyed it. I know I did. I've been having such a good time just talking to different members of the dance community and it's fascinating. I I learned so much and I feel like I I know Allie, we've known each other for a long time, but even in the short little conversation, I feel like I know her a lot more. Um, which is incredible, which is a good thing. If you would like to follow Allie on Instagram, her handle is at Allie Heinz Raditz. That, that's A L Y H E I N T Z R A D D A T Z. And if you like to follow Allegra Dance Boutique on Instagram, it is at Allegra Boutique. As always, you can follow at Buns of Steel Pot and as always, you can follow at Jenna Brady, which who is me. So hello um, and goodbye. Thank you so much
1: for listening to this week's episode.